Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a conversation featuring fresh voices and diverse perspectives on culture, community, business, and more. My guests today are Chardale Barnes and the artist Teddy Young, the two founders of the brand design firm Stable Grey. Support for this show comes from the Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce. We don't coast, we accomplish more together. Details at omahachamber.org. Stable Grey was founded in 2015 by North Omaha natives Chardale Barnes and Teddy Young to help small businesses build strong brands at affordable prices. After developing his creative skills early in life, Barnes went on to study and work in the fields of finance and technology. Young similarly developed his creativity early on, before earning his MBA and teaching himself an array of design and content creation skills. Teddy and Chardo, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Nice to be here. Stable Grey. It's an interesting name. I suspect that there's a story behind it, and I bet too that it would illustrate the work you do. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about the origin of the name and the work that you do? And I have a sense that Chardell wants to grab this. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting to be here. It's um, great to help be a part of storytelling and, and the new branding of the chamber. The name Stable Gray, the short of it is it came out of a dream that I had. Um, there was a lot of research going on at that time to try to figure out how to come up with a great name, you know, osmosis or whatever you want to call it happened. You know, I wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning as I often do with ideas and I went through what I did. I then formulated as a process for identifying great names, the name stable gray in the core of it means, um, we do the work behind the scenes that nobody sees, and we do it reliably and trustworthy. Um, in our space, being a creative, you have to be able to create on demand. So it's one thing to be able to be inspired at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. It's another thing for a client to be able to contact you at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you deliver at 5. So that's the the premise of the name going deeper into it there are a lot of different things that make up the meaning of the name when i first went through my my verification process that this was a great name there were a lot of things popping up around horses you know i was looking at this stuff and i'm like man i don't want to be associated with horses this is weird you know we're doing branding marketing stuff through a consulting session with uh, Julian Young Business Advisors, we gained the inspiration, the insight that um, the, the gray horse is a successful horse in the Kentucky Derby. It's won the, the championship. In addition, it's kind of what we do, right? We build stables of strong brands. So similar to a gray horse, we, we cultivate those horses in their own uh, stable, build them up so that they can go out into the world and have great impact and run a great race. So uh, there's a lot of meaning behind the name, but that's kind of the, the core meaning of it. Uh, we want to help companies build strong brands and we do it one company at a time. Could you talk a little bit more about the business then? You've mentioned branding, 
you've mentioned storytelling, you've mentioned marketing. What perhaps would a typical client engagement, insofar as there's a typical one, but what might a common client engagement look like for Stable Gray? We have clients come to us mainly on three different tracks, I think. The first track is um, they don't have any brand identity. So that's the first track. They come to us. They know they need something. We start with the logo. We start with brand identity. And then we end up, you know, doing their website, social media, things like that. We have kind of these uh, quick hit clients, uh, you know, work with Union Pacific, for, ex- for example, on their investor day videos. They knew exactly what they needed. They have a very strong brand, very well established, but they need capacity. They need someone to help them scale up for a short period of time. And then we have uh, other companies that are looking to partner with us. And that's also a capacity play. But those clients are long-term partners that want us to manage their social media account. Or they have ongoing content needs, such as uh, video production or photography at events that happen throughout the year. Um, So we've done things like that with, you know, Beats and Sheets Karaoke, uh, 75 North and um you know metro uh transit so it those are the the primary three tracks but it it really just depends on the client we we kind of are consultants you know we deal with things on a case-by-case basis but we'll walk them through whatever process they come to us in uh one thing that's special about us all of the skills that we offer we have that technical skill in-house so software development, video production, photography, marketing, design, we offer all of those things in-house. It gives us a unique perspective because it makes us translators, because we understand the technical requirements of producing those different pieces. One thing I, I would add, too, is uh, over time, uh, businesses have you know, existed and they've gotten as far as they can on their own and they're looking to go to the next level. So a lot of businesses and organizations are looking to enhance the brand, take it to the next level. Um, also reach out, out to us to help them do that. Entrepreneurially, you came together, uh, before 2015 founded the business and here we are today. Uh, Teddy, what was it that inspired you to come together? You know, at that time in life, I was freelancing. I had, Sorry, freelancing, I've had some, you know, success, had a number of clients and was looking to expand some services. So I was looking at possibly going to code school or something like that. When I was uh, in, in uh, Julian Young at the time, it was called the Start Center. It was like entrepreneurship uh, incubator. And he brought the idea of possibly, you know, partnering with somebody. I was just used to doing everything on my own and learning what I needed to learn. And, and do it. And so that's when first, that first idea of uh, maybe I could look for or find, you know, a partner. Uh, me and Chardell happened to go to the same church at that time. Um, and I was, you know, we we're both in the production for the Sunday service. And I did like the design and the slides. And he was over in um, audio, doing audio production. That's where we, uh, initially met and we talked about what each other did and 
at that time he was looking at going to Omaha Coat School. Right there, you know, we saw that, you know, and I believe he was also, he was looking for a partner and wanted to start another business. And we were like, well, okay, um, he's getting ready to start. It was like, okay, how about this? When you finish and graduate, which I went to his graduation, we were like, okay, we'll meet again and see what that could look like. Fast forward. Yeah, he graduated and we met at uh, Archetype Coffee and talked about what we could, you know, possibly do together. Again, I was in, you know, marketing and branding and he just, you know, became a awesome web developer and he and that's when he did introduce that the name, Stable Gray. <laughs> um it's the first time I ever heard a name like that. I mean, it's like one of those great rom coms, right? This is like getting married, but it's you're you're marrying for a business, an entrepreneurial idea. And all those steps about what are my strengths? What are this person's strengths? What are their weaknesses? Do I like this? Do I like that? Will we get along? What is it that I want out of my life? And so on and so forth. It, it's, it's what you're doing as you're talking about this business. I wonder how much trepidation there was at that time when you sort of put the stake in the ground and said, yes, this is what I'm going to do. So was there some worry? And also, what was it that made you think, we absolutely have to commit to doing this together? Yeah, um, it was a weird time because, you know, to go to Omaha Code School, I had to quit my job. I was working a full time job at Mutual of Omaha at the bank building. It was actually a company called WPS. I was working in insurance, uh, finance and banking type of industry. That's what I was going to school for. It was a weird time because I was transitioning to a new career and I didn't think that I would start a business immediately, you know, two months after graduating, uh, we got our first client and it's like, oh, okay, we're off and running. You know, I think we took that initial uh, client funds and, um, you know, built our website and, you know, started getting some swag and things like that. It, It was a strange time because I'm starting a new career. I feel like a rookie, but I'm already offering these services as an expert. So that was a lot of the tension is just like trying to shape this. Like, what is this that we're doing? Uh, We've always had two different philosophies. And initially there was tension, but over the years, it's become kind of a yin and yang, uh, like you say, marrying of ideas. I was very much a B2C uh, person. I envision myself building something like Instagram or, you know, building some kind of software tool like that, that I would sell to consumers with the name Stable Gray. He envisioned scaling up marketing and branding and offering these services to clients. And over time, we've just kind of come to understand that it doesn't matter whether you're doing B2B or B2C, it's the same thing. You're selling ultimately to an end user. You are providing a solution and ultimately whether you're selling to to consumer or to, to a a business um, you end up selling to businesses. You know, we started with a common goal, which was we want in this tech space, we want to create jobs. We recognize that 
there were no other businesses like ours doing what we were doing at scale. Maybe there was a freelancer here and there, but no one creating a place for creatives to come and work. No one creating a place for there to be a synergy amongst a group of people. We were addressing the pain point that we had. We would have loved to have yeah. a company like this when we were starting off that we could go work for, right. but they didn't exist in North Omaha. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a it was a big, you know, risk at that time. I hadn't had a partner before, business partner. So really to be honest, it was out of character for me to even do something like that. And uh I just said, you know what? Um I I believe we first start off saying, Hey, we'll commit to a year, see how this goes, revisit it and keep going. That's kinda it's just that's what we did. We committed to a year, you know, we're like, Okay, commit to another year and other and another and here we are seven years how are you defining success for the business, how are you defining success for yourselves individually? How do you define success, Teddy? Success, I, I believe it's a, it's a thing you don't fully uh, attain, but something you keep striving for. Um, I look at the two, yeah, the two main objectives that we have, right? To be able to create strong brands for businesses and then also create opportunity for other creatives. So I see us on that path of success long as we are doing those things, right? Long as we are um, helping businesses to essentially to, to grow and to continue to pour back into the community. We believe the more successful businesses are, the more successful the community will be. And then creating those opportunities for the creatives that look like us, um, which also, you know, taps into other, um, other problems, right? It keeps talent here where they don't have to go outside the community to be a web developer, a designer, do video production and, and things like that. So I would say within that definition, I think we've been uh, successful as long as we continue to do those things. So when you talk about people that look like us, are you talking about African-Americans from uh, North Omaha or are you talking about uh, entrepreneurs that have a creative bent or are you talking about people that are straddling the line between tech and art? I'm only asking that just because this right, is an audio right. medium and I'm wondering, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, um, I think it's a, it's a number of things. It, it can be you know, African-Americans or people of color, right? You know, just being in Nebraska, you know, most agencies don't, you know, I'm African-American, don't. Don't look like me, you know, right? So yeah, provide an opportunity for, you know, minorities, but also creatives that want to do this work and do, you know, uh, obviously we have a good variety of the type of industries we're in and clients that we have. So to be able to work on projects with the Union Pacific or a Gavilon, you know, things like that have those type opportunities uh, that they might not have and might not get that chance, but, you know, Working with us, you, you get that chance and get that opportunity. Yeah, and just, yeah, give you an opportunity just to do this professionally. 
right? Not just a, a hobby. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just say um, the things that are top of mind is what's is what's most marketed. So in this space, the cool stuff is being a, a YouTuber. It's being, uh, you know, the Marcus Brownleys and the um, Supercar Blondie. There's all kinds of YouTubers out there that are uh, making a lot of money doing that. But they're largely the exception to the rule. Most of us work in this capacity. We're doing brick by brick, client by client work, and that's how we make a living. And that's great work. There's lots of companies that need branding. We're making this side of it cool, making agency work cool work for this side of town. Uh, when, when I think when someone says people like us or that look like us, you know, I, I think diversity is ultra important, but, you know, we have a diverse team. You know, we have people of all different complexion that work with us, all different languages. And I think it's most important to understand the common denominator between all of us is that we're on-demand creatives. We can do this. We've mastered our skill set to a level that you can ask me to create a name for your business right here and I can come up with a great name because there's a mastery there. What is it, do you think, about the alchemy of what you have created between the two of you that maybe makes you as sharp and as talented and perhaps as creatively able to flourish as you are flourishing? Uh, I think egos help. <laughs> I think, you know, having a diverse background helps. We have some overlap. He has a little bit of experience with web. I have a little bit of experience with design. So it keeps us on our heels, you know, because I can hold him accountable. He can hold me accountable. Um, I know when something isn't aligned right. I know when something isn't, um, two fonts don't complement each other. We complement each other because we challenge each other. And I think, you know, if you're going to work in a workplace with, with, uh, two, more or less two entrepreneurs, you have to have some credibility, right? You have to have something that it's like, I know he's, he's going to bring it, you know? And I think that that's what creates that environment. And we just try to infect our, our entire team with that energy. Um, we're constantly challenging ourselves and challenging each other to uh, create the next best thing. And then I would say, you know, uh, process is key to us as well. When we identify a way that we produce things, then we create a model for it. And we say, this is how we do things. And having a process allows us to scale up. And it allows us to bring in other people and have them buy in on something and not feel like we're picking on them because creators are very sensitive people, even though they don't admit it. And, <laughs> and they're also um, very particular about how they like to do things. And so that's, I think that's one of the reasons why something like this hasn't been built before is because you have to have empathy. If you don't listen and care about, your team and the clients, you know, then everybody's just going to sit around and, and not get a lot done. You have to care about, you know, how the way that you're doing things affects people. And so creating processes helps us to care about that and include everyone's creative ideas. 
I, I would add, uh, he's in North High graduate. Yes, I'm our a Benson rivals. Graduate. We're talking about the rivals of rivals. Yes. Bunnies were to be stomped and trampled by the Viking scepter. <laughs> I, I used to go. I used to go up to uh, Benson High School because I used to break dance. Oh man! I would go up there to battle the dancers at Benson because there was so much tension. We thought we were the best. We thought no one could compete with our dance skills. So. I would go, and it was—it's very disrespectful to go to someone else's yeah. school, walk in their hallways, skip class, and walk in their hallways to battle and challenge break dancers that we knew wanted a piece of this. So it was a real intense rivalry that um, you know we had to get past, you know, because I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, he's a bunny, he's one of those Benson bunnies. Yeah, he's one of those kids that was in the, the groups circled <laughs> kind of funny that now you're trying to create that same kind of intensity of loyalty yes. for your client brands and for yourselves right yes absolutely and and um you know one of the reasons that north omaha has not taken off and hit its stride yet is because of those silos is because there are so many pockets that people work within and they won't collaborate and so we are trying to actively cultivate collaboration in different ways. There is a, um, a creative at a meeting we were at this morning, and he used to work with us, decided to leave, do something else. I made it a point to go up to him, make sure he knew that he's got our support. Because when we're talking about scale, you need numbers and you need collaboration. And this is the same thing that happens in every other part of the city. I've worked for a design agency before I worked full time within my own company and seen the collaboration, how they're a partner with other agencies, how they'll work with other people that they've worked with in the past at other jobs. You have to be able to do that and put aside feelings that may not even be rooted in something valid and work towards a goal, work towards a common cause. Yeah. The creative collaboration, you know, Chardell is a unique, you know, individual. I'm a unique individual. He can come up with, you know, uh, great ideas and, um, you know, great ideas and how he would do something. I can come up with great ideas and how I do something. But when we do that together, it creates something totally different. Or when we add one of our other team members in there, each business organization, they're unique. Because of their team, we can create something that no other business can create because we have our team. And just like they can create something that we can't because they have their team. So it's just uh, that power and collaboration. these things require a huge amount of effort how do you go about putting that effort in and creating a culture at stable gray that being exhausting and burning you out <laughs> yes that is uh that's always a work in progress 
Um, you know, we talk about this is the, you know, we do our weekly executive meeting and that's like one of the things we talk about all the time, you know, as stable gray, um, goes to the next level, right? It require us as a team to go to the next level. So it's like, what does that look like? What kind of changes do we need to make? And as we're growing our team, it's like, okay, we really need to focus on these processes and culture. How do we, how do we create this culture? And, you know, through his experience and my experiences and, you know, research and, and others that provide, you know, input, you know, you just take it down to the simplest, you know, sometimes the simplest thing that can be done. What are, cause you can cast this vision, but what are the, what is something that can be done today that helps to get you there? Right. Um, so one thing, thing we talked about is like creating a, just an, an environment that's inviting. So, right. So when we come into office, you know, one of our principles is that we have to engage each other. You have to say, hi, hello, what's up? You know, that's one small thing that you can do to try to create an environment that's inviting and makes people feel good and want to be there. You know, we just do that with every area. What is it that we can get? What practical things that we can give our team to be able to achieve that? And it has to be something simple that they can do. Something that people can remember. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So absolutely agree. And I would add two things to that. Number one, consistency. Yeah. Anybody can, you know, wake up one day and feel super inspired and just crush it. But to wake up five days a week and do that for seven years is really, really hard to do. And some days you're going to have to do it when you don't want to do it. Some days you're going to have to talk to people when you want to be antisocial, which a lot of us creatives are. I certainly am. So I think consistency and then, you know, going back to the uh, creative piece of empathy is just making sure that we're listening because there's a feedback loop happening, whether we're listening or not. But we have to listen. We have to understand what the information is hitting us, is telling us. What else have you learned that you think you know, stands out for you? A few things pop up in, in, into mind. I think we touched a little bit on it, but, you know, having principles, you know, because we feel all types of emotions, right, uh, which is very valid and we all have them. But what do you do when you don't feel like doing it, right? We can't uh, just operate just based off how we're feeling our emotions, but what are the principles that we put in place? And that helps make that decision, right? And then things never, I would say things rarely go as planned. So really it's how you, you know, how do you react to things, right? You can dwell on you know, the, the, the mistake or the mess up, or you can look for solutions. Right? I, I played sports. I played football. And one thing coach used to say, like I was, I was a DB, you have to have ice in your veins, right? It's like after somebody catches the ball and you can't, you don't have time to sit there and just think about that catch, right? There's another play coming. So it's like, how can I make those adjustments and get ready for the next thing? So, you know, always being, you know, solution driven and, and it's okay. Things 
don't always happen like they plan. It's what you do when you come up against those things. That is what matters. So what I've learned is primarily around work-life balance and how important that is. I've worked in a lot of industries, a lot. Yeah, I've, yeah a lot. I mean, auto mechanics, customer service, door-to-door sales, warehouse work, finance, software. The list goes on and on and on. Um, and I've just learned that like the most important thing is work-life balance. It matters more than pay. It matters more than benefits. Uh, if you can function and get your job done and get along with the people that you work with and there's great work-life balance, most people will keep chugging along. So I've just learned that part of what produces the awesome sauce is having great work-life balance. And I think our team has great work-life balance. We're, we continue to work on that, try to design work-life balance into everything that we do, but uh, it makes a difference in the end product. And I think it's something that's overlooked by a lot of companies in the way that they build their company. And work-life balance isn't, oh, well, you can work from home. That's a, a great blanket thing to do, but you know, going back to empathy, you have to listen and understand what people want, need, desire. Speaking of which, we have been offering part of our compensation for one of our teammates. We don't consider them employees. Uh, is um, a free Airbnb voucher, and they didn't use it. So why didn't they use it? Right? You, this is free money. You travel. We see you going places and you're not using it. Maybe the person doesn't like Airbnb. Maybe they prefer Verbo. Maybe they're a hotel person. So we have to think about those things and, and design it in because otherwise, uh, you know, your work, work-life balance isn't ideal. And that, that really does make a big difference. How does that show up? Then you talked about some aspects of that. How does that show up for you and your teammates at Stable Gray? We don't, we don't live to work. You know, we work to live. We, we do what we do so that we can live a fulfilling life. And hopefully the work that we're doing is part of that ecosystem, right? So as a creative, it's usually a part of the ecosystem. You have to be working on things that you care about. But then we need to also pay attention to what's happening outside of work as well, because that is a business risk for us. Maybe not for other companies, but if our folks can't concentrate, if they're stressed, if they have uh, hardships that they're dealing with and we don't deal with those, then they can't show up to work. They can't be productive. They can't be creative because their mind is not in a creative place at that point. They're worried about if they're going to be able to keep their house, you know, and things like that. And we've, we've, uh, had to navigate things like that. So how do we deal with it? it it's uh, it's in, ingrained in everything that we do. It's ingrained to our business model. Uh, as he mentioned, we started in a church setting. We started in a setting of empathy, in a setting of uh, bearing each other's burdens. And so it's just always been a part of how we do business. For me, in my position being CEO, 
I view it as I want everyone around me to be better than me, to have a better outcome than I had. So I inject it into everything that I do. I, I love watching people grow around me in their careers and their personal lives and their families. And maybe everyone doesn't know that I do that by design, but I intentionally and purposely uh, ensure that I'll have a big problem if uh, people are not getting pay raises, if they're not happy with their personal lives. That's a huge problem for me because those are the things that made me quit certain jobs, right? It's because I wasn't happy there. Um, so that's how we do it. You know, at least from my point of view, it's injecting it into all the touch points. It's a moving target. You know, you hit this and then, haha, I finished, you know, no. And then it moves and it's, it's like a whack-a-mole type of thing. You get one and then another one pops up. But um, with, without that injection, without that intentional, we're going to make sure that you're good type of attitude. Um, I don't think we'd be where we're at today. So I, I want to jump back a little bit and just examine and explore a little bit. Where, where did this all come from? Another way to say this is, you know, what, what were your upbringings like? You know, what was childhood like? And maybe Teddy, I can ask you, you know, what, what was the context of your life growing up? Gosh, I was born and raised in, you know, North Omaha. Um, you know, upbringing, I would say is pretty, you know, pretty solid. You know, every family has its challenges. That's what makes family uh, family, but grew up in a spiritual family. My grandfather was a minister. You know, the church was around the corner. My father, he passed away right nine years ago. Um, but he, you know, he, you know, he was from, uh, you know, Holly Springs, Mississippi, uh, moved up here to the Omaha, Nebraska when he was like 18 or 19 to help out his sister who was up here. He had, um, sickle cell anemia which is, you know, your blood cells are shaped like sickles. That's the name, sickle cell, uh, which doesn't hold as much oxygen, but gives you all kinds of uh, health issues. So he, like, never really had his full health. Learned a lot, you know, from him and just how he, you know, pursued life and kept going. Even when he was sick, you know, he had to be really sick if he didn't get out the bed. So for me, it just kind of gave little room to make excuses for it anything yeah mom was very you know loving gave us everything you know we were very community minded service you know service driven you know so always wanted to you know just felt a passion drive to give back when did you realize first of all that you had this creative spirit that has now taken the form that it has in oh, stable gray, but it was a just point creative. in time, I'm sure, when you thought, yeah, you know, these some creative arts or something. Yeah, so you know, yeah, grow up in a 
in the church, but it's a smaller black church. Um, you, you know, you do, there's, there's music and things like that. And, you know, we always was a part, always somewhat part of creative. So I also played, you know, saxophone when I was a, when I was a kid as, as well. So, you know, and did dance. So creativity was just, you know, always a part of, you know, my, my being, uh, in particular, that's how, how it, how it finds itself with stable gray was in the art, you know, art, but not that great at hand drawing. And then, you know, then developments, technology, you come up with these programs that you can do graphic design and tried my hand at that, you know, through a, a class in college and kind of like was uh, attracted to that. That was a way to, you know, express some of my artistic abilities through, through the computer. Child, uh, what about your childhood, your upbringing? I also grew up in North Omaha. I have a, an interesting childhood in terms of the dynamics of creativity and also just growing up in North Omaha. I lived part of my childhood middle class. I lived part of it very, very poor. Um, I've been homeless. I've lived in a house before. You know, I've had all kinds of different experiences, and maybe that, that lends its way to my insights. I don't know. Maybe it makes me more creative because I've had to come up with problem-solving solutions to a lot of different problems that I've faced. I don't know. Yeah, so when I was first exposed to the creative stack, was actually pretty young. I was probably four years old. My grandmother passed away when I was eight years old. She loved for her grandkids to perform for her. <laughs> so my, my real start into creativity was music. It was performing crisscross, you know, songs in front of her. She died of a breast cancer. So during her last, I'd say, two or three years of her life, she wanted to see us perform in front of her. So that's one thing that we did. And then eventually, after graduating from high school, I started a recording studio. So I uh, used to run a recording studio with uh, Leo Lewis, who is uh, one of the um, uh, leaders over at the Malcolm X Memorial Foundation. That's my, one of my former business partners. And so we did that for a while. I did that full time in my early 20s. At some point, we decided, I decided, I'm not sure when it happened or why it happened, but we just saw this whole YouTube thing coming about, and we just wanted to make music videos. So that's what got me exposed to video production, is I was trying to make a video for my song. And I walk into Jim Nelson Media Services, rest in peace, and he's got these big channel three production cameras and 10 editing stations and ph photography and uh charles parks the third was in there and he's doing it work for him setting up his network and wi-fi and stuff so that's how i got exposed to everything so I, I owe a lot of credit to shout those guys out and then i would say on the just the entrepreneurship piece uh, i started my hustles in junior high school we would take our paper route money and food stamp money and go to places like Four Aces and buy candy to try to sell at school. 
So that's where I first started to learn like the power of investing dollars, uh, currency exchange, because <laughs> you're not supposed to use. I hope I don't go to jail for, for my $50 of sales in junior high school, but you're not supposed to convert food stamps into uh, candy to sell at school. But it happened. That kind of taught me everything. And then from there, I just felt like I could always do a side hustle. So even when we started this business, you know, I was working a, j a day job and then we were just taking, you know, a client here or there and it was no big deal. I even told my job about it. You know, I said, yeah, I'm going to do a couple of videos on the side or this or that. And, oh, yeah, sure. For, for sure. You know, no problem. So I was always transparent with it. But, yeah, it was always a, a side hustle because of <laughs> what I was doing in junior high school, selling corn nuts and those uh those blueberry uh blow pops are still uh one of the best candies that you can get You talked about a lot of relationships there in your life, Chardell. And certainly you too, Teddy, you also talked about the importance of these relationships in your life, but also the nature of community. And there's something on your bio, Chardell, online. It references your fearless pursuit of better communities and a positive narrative for the underrepresented. Clearly, you wouldn't put it on your bio if it wasn't important. And given everything you've just been talking about, this, this clearly matters to you. So I'm just curious, what does this mean for you guys? Yeah, in terms of my bio, just to speak on that, my start in the, I never talked about like why I picked up a camera. I, I knew of the technology. I knew the value of it. You know, you could produce something one time and share it to the end of time, potentially. When I was graduating from Metro Community College, I was transferring to UNO with my associate's degree. I carried a 4.0 GPA for, I would say, 80% of my experience there. Uh, more or less, I ended up graduating with, with like double, triple honors and darn near valedictorian. I think I had like a 3.8 or something like that when I transferred. I just thought it was awesome. You know, I was just, and then I saw other people with higher decorations than I did walk across stage. And there was no media coverage. I think maybe Channel 3 did a small piece on one person there. But we just don't know how many people work their tails off to get through these programs so that they can go out and get good jobs. And I've seen stories like that on, on students in high school or whatnot outside of North Omaha who carried 4.0 GPA all through high school. And, you know, do these remarkable things, which they should be celebrated for. But I just thought it was a disservice to North Omaha with so many negative narratives going around that we don't at least give some light, give some positivity to that. So in building the community and, and trying to change the narratives about North Omaha, we have to highlight and show the positives as well. And that's really what it's about for me. That moment was really where I got 
the nerve to buy a camera, even though I didn't know what I was doing. It was just, I know there's events happening. I know people are doing awesome stuff. And if I'm around something and I see it, then I'm going to capture it. And that's what, that's what started me picking up a camera. Uh, from there, I just realized that this issue exists in all kinds of spaces, not just in graduations, but also in companies have great products and services in North Omaha and all across the city. And nobody knows about it because they don't have great content. You know, then using that camera, using web development, using all these different things to help other people tell their stories. That's how we build the community is by changing our narrative, how we view ourselves and how we view others. And so that that's what the tools mean to me. Yeah, it feels to me as if, given everything that you've talked about, this endeavor is not just about your own creative flourishing, although it is about that, of course. It's not just about being entrepreneurs, although, of course, it is about that. But there's something larger to what you're trying to achieve with this business. Yeah. And it's just, I kind of just think it hap- happens over, over time. It starts off with being self-focused and then you just start to learn about other um, things, you know, exposure. You know, when I think about it, I first got exposed to photography and videography from my dad. When I think, I didn't think n- not much about it, but he always had a camera, you know, and he had the video recorder back in the day. I don't know how many people had those, but he would film the church plays and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, he had his own business, his insurance salesman. And I have other people in my family that had, you know, businesses and things like that. Um, but I remember going to college, it's like exposure. Like I, I didn't, there's only certain industries and jobs and things that I knew about until I got to college. And it was like, oh, so you can have a career doing this and that and that. But another thing that I realized was yeah how people that wasn't you know necessarily from north north omaha saw north omaha right i never even thought about north southwest omaha it was just omaha right until you go to until i go to college right i'm talking to people and people are like oh where you're from person say they're from bellevue i was like i'm from omaha and then like what part it's like from omaha but they meant like what part of omaha like are you from west omaha North Omaha. And that's when I even started using that terminology, like North Omaha. I was like, oh, okay. And then I started to learn about just certain perceptions, you know, growing up, like there was always, there's, I never thought like all of it is like, you know, dangerous or things like that. I was like, yeah, some parts, you know, you probably, you don't, you don't go on that block. Right. Or some places, but not all places are like that, but start to understand a certain perception that all of North Omaha is like this. And then just as, as I developed my, you know, my skills and uh, exposure to marketing and things like that, then of course, you know, when I'm come back home, you know, I start to look around and st- those visuals like, man, I could probably use this knowledge, these set of skills that I have to help, you know, some of these businesses, um, you know, improve their brand or look, you know, look like other brands that you see as like, man. You know, you know, that's when I start having those thoughts, you know, starting a a business, you know, going back to that exposure. Yeah, it's bigger, bigger that like we could have had, you know, we looked other places to have our office and things like that. I think it's about also showing all the great things that come out of North Omaha. I can be be there like we can have 
a marketing agency right in North Omaha. And we can do businesses with companies in West Omaha. Like, yes, we want to help the business in our community, but hey, we have value that we can bring to other parts of the city. We can do business together. Uh, sometimes I think North Omaha can be seen as uh, people that aren't from there. Like your only way to interact with it is through uh, some kind of volunteering, which is great. That's great. But we can also do business. We have services and goods that you might need, you know, or can take advantage of. And so that's part of it as well, you know, and one of the reasons for being, you know, in, in North Omaha, having our business there. And yes, exposing other young kids growing up to see it. Cause that's what it takes sometimes, you know, you have to see it. I can do that. Oh, I can own a business. Oh, I can do this with a video camera. Like Charter was saying, it's like I, this, I can do this as a business and make money from it. Cause a lot of kids are, you know, creative and into this type of technology and for them to understand it's like, Hey, this is a viable option for you. And this type of career exists. So yeah, all those things just are very important and dear to me. My guests today have been Chardell Barnes and Teddy Young, the two founders of the brand design firm Stable Gray. Chardell, Teddy, thank you so much for being on the show. Glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Support for this show comes from the Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce. We don't coast. We accomplish more together. Details at omahachamber.org. Lives is hosted by me, Stuart Chittenden. The music you hear playing in and playing out is performed by Andrew Bailey. Podcasts of today's show and others can be found at livesradioshow.com or where you get your podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave a review. Thanks for listening.